good day and welcome to Holding Fast. How is your anchor holding today? Is it gripped firmly to the unshakable rock of Scripture? Welcome to the podcast today. We're going to find ourselves in the book of Ruth today. Uh, if you have been reading through the Bible program, we've made our way through the book of Judges, and now we've come to the book of Ruth. I wish we had an extended period of time to be able to stay in Ruth because there's some great spiritual blessings that are to be found there. Uh, but we're going to just spend this particular podcast getting our footing in the book of Ruth and discovering what's in that that God has has uh, providentially placed there for us to learn from. Uh, if you've read the story before and maybe uh, you've read it frequently and uh, it was kind of perplexing to you, the story itself is fairly uh, plain, but a lot of the customs and the things that, uh, that, uh, that they practiced then are not so plain to us in our Western way of thinking. Uh, Oriental and Semitic ways of thinking are often different than the way we're raised and our patterns of uh, working through things. But Ruth, Ruth is a book that actually unfolds uh, most likely during the period of the Judges, the book that we just exited from. Uh, Ruth is a book that is uh, that is in that time frame, in that chronology. It's a it's a biblical story, really, that revolves around six characters when you open its pages. Uh, you read of three husbands, Elimelech and Melon and Kilion, uh, his two sons, and all of them end up dying in a foreign land. We know that Elimelech was originally from Bethlehem. That was the tribe that he lived in down there, uh, tribe of Judah. And uh, and there was a famine uh, that was in the land at that time. Perhaps it was a time of judgment of the Lord on the pagan idolatrous worship of the people. But nonetheless, there was a famine in the land. And so Elimelech picked up his family and for some reason that we're not told, moves to the nation of Moab across the Jordan River. Uh, this was something that uh, certainly God had uh, had abolished and said that uh, this was an abomination and that they were not to leave the land that God had given to them. Uh, some translators or, or commentators actually uh, note that it may be a hint at faithlessness and a, a hint at just lack of direction and backsliding in Elimelech's life. So he goes over to Moab. Uh, and he then uh, has his two sons, and they marry two Moabite women. So in migrating there, they were trying to avoid famine and maybe death uh, that was happening in Israel. Uh, maybe they just meant to simply be there in the land for a little bit, but the text tells us that they ended up staying 10 years. And during that 10-year time period, Elimelech dies um, and we learn from them that when, <laughs> I, I really note this, that when when sin gets us away from God, you know it's really hard to go back. Uh, when you leave the Lord and put your eyes on what you think might be something that's more beneficial to you or more pleasant or will will benefit you in some way, but it's a sinful act that you take that you make in order to have that happen. Uh, it's always difficult to get back. 
I know a lot of people in my ministry that from time to time they'll come along and say, hey, I've had this job offer or I've had this other offer that I just feel like I have to take because it's going to remunerate me in a better way or it's going to put me from my perspective in a better position. And I, it never fails. The one thing that they leave out of that equation is how that affects their obedient walk with God. Uh, somebody tells me that they're moving to a place just for the sake of getting better pay and a better job, yet they've not thought about the spiritual ramifications of it, that perhaps there's not a good Bible-believing church there for them to attend and to serve the Lord. Uh, perhaps there's a, a, it's a position that's going to tempt them to to uh, to slide on their integrity or think something of that nature that they know God would not be pleased with, but there's something else that's uh, that has become an idol to their heart. And folks, it is always hard to come back. And Satan will sell you whatever you think you want in order to get you away from the Lord. And so the move of Elimelech uh, had been in violation of God's command about going into that country. I mean, the Moabites of all people, uh, God was very highly displeased with. And so Elimelech went into that country, and now uh, they reaped what they sow, had sown. And Elimelech, we are told, dies. And it wasn't too long after that, when Elimelech's sons were married, that a short time went by and both of his sons died. And that leaves us with three widows. Naomi, the wife of Elimelech, who is a grieving widow. She's very broken. Uh, Orpah, which is a daughter-in-law, is a, a, a widow that was leaving, that left. And Ruth is a cleaving widow. Uh, in that she held on. He, every one of them tells a different story uh, of the spiritual experiences that can be known. Paul declares three possible spiritual states in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. There's the spiritual, the natural, and the carnal. Uh, Naomi is a picture of, of a carnal Christian, perhaps, and worldly, backslidden, uh, and Orpah, who chooses to go back to Moab and to its gods and to its idols, is probably the natural person. And the hero of the whole story of the book of Ruth is the namesake, Ruth. Uh, she seemed to be spiritual. It's really a remarkable thing when you look at Ruth's life. Because she made this decision when given the option to go back to her country or to stay in her country and to continue perhaps to worship its idols. Uh, she obviously had been exposed to uh, Yahweh, to Jehovah, to the one true God through, uh, through Naomi, but yet she makes this decision, and it's a huge decision. I think we don't want to downplay that, to leave her family, uh, her country, everything that was familiar to her, and to go back to Israel with Naomi and to literally come to a point where she expresses her trust in the living God. Her sister-in-law went back uh, in the other direction. But Ruth is saying, saying, I have decided to follow Jesus. If she were to sing that song, no turning back, no turning back. And we read of that powerful testimony of her decision 
Uh, she makes that declaration that I'll go with you. I'll go where you go, lodge where you lodge. Um, your people will be my people. Your God, my God, and everything else. Ruth is committed, and she's committed until death. And so they make their journey back to Bethlehem, and the destination there unfolds a beautiful picture of salvation where Boaz, the kinsman redeemer, who is a type of Christ, a foreshadowing, a foreshadowing of what Christ would do. Uh, she comes back, and or she comes into Bethlehem, and Ruth uh, learned that trusting in the one true God brings provision and salvation uh, when you turn to Him in faith. That's what Ruth did. And what wonderful thing happened to her is that even now, She's included in the genealogy of our Savior. Uh, and we look at that and we marvel at God's providence uh, that when one gives up all to serve the Lord, you will be abundantly repaid. Well, what have you left to come and follow after Christ today? Uh, what was your life like? Were you living in Moab and serving wrong idols? And then the Lord came into your life and you decided to follow him. I assure you, it's the best decision that you've ever made this side of eternity. Why don't you thank the Lord today for his goodness to you? I thank the Lord all the time that he introduced me to himself uh, many years when I was younger, many years ago. And he has never failed me once since. He has been nothing but faithful. I haven't always been but he has always remained true. God bless you today. Let's be like Ruth, and we can sing that song, I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back.